You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Ashley, welcome to Real Faith Stories. Really looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. Prior to this conversation we're having right now, we had a chance to connect and I got to hear some of your story and absolutely loved how God has moved you progressively and then explosively (laughs) into some amazing things as you just keep opening your hands up and yielding yourself to him. So I'd love for you to share a little bit of your backstory first, where you grew up, and then how you got into this space of creating tumblers. I'll let you explain what that is. Yeah, well, I grew up in this really small town. We had like one stoplight and a bunch of cornfields. (laughs) Growing up, my mother would always tell me I was a star, and she kind of instilled in me that I was meant for more. She'd always say I was meant for more. I was bigger than the small town. It's like you're everybody's business. Everybody knows everything, right? And I I started to get really bullied. And I really lost a lot of my confidence. And I kind of became really insecure. And my mom being my rock, she would say, you're meant for more. God has big plans for you. But I was young. I think at that time, I just was worried about what all my high school friends thought and, you know, nobody liked me and all this. I had a great family though, and they were always supportive and they loved on me. And it kind of got me through the really difficult times. Fast forward, I married my husband. We moved to North Carolina because he's special forces in the military and he was going through the rest of his training. And I got pregnant with my first daughter quickly after we got married. It was a whirlwind. But then one day I got a call a call that like changed my life. I answered the phone and it was my mom. And she said, Hey babe, is Brian there? And I talked to my mom every day. So I was like, yeah, he's here. In my mind, I was thinking that she was going to throw like a party for me because I was pregnant with my first daughter. And uh, I handed the phone to Brian and I looked at him and his face was just blank. And I just knew something was wrong. And so when I got back the phone, she said, I have stage four cancer and mommy's not going to be okay. Mm. And I just broke. She was my rock. She really got me through everything. So I packed up all my stuff. I moved back to Illinois to that small town with the cornfields. And I took care of my mom for three years while I watched her pass away. But before she passed away, she told me two things. She said, promise me you will remember that you are meant for more and promise me that you will always have faith. And so I made that promise to her. But I was really angry. You know, I was angry with God. I felt like he took the one person that saw something special in me. And I was just angry. And so, you know, my Bible sat on my bedside table because I promised her I'd have faith, but I never opened it. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, I still, you know, believed in God. I still loved God, but I was angry with him. I didn't want him to help me. I was just in like a very weird space. And I sat in that space for a long time. And I played the victim role. I tell people this a lot. I I really played the victim role because I lost my rock and my husband was special forces and he was just gone all the time. I mean, constantly. And I don't want people to think I was miserable because I was content. I had my three girls. I had a good life, a good husband, a nice home, but I wasn't being all that I knew I could be. And I wasn't living up to that promise that I promised my mom, either one of them really. 
Let me pause there and ask a question, Ashley. Knowing that deep inside, what did that feel like knowing that you were meant for more, but were not living in that space? It was awful. I tell people I felt so broken. My husband would be gone and I would take care of my girls. I'd be the mom and the dad, but I'd like watch television. And it's not that I was lazy. I just really wasn't living up to my potential. I wasn't becoming who my mother saw or who I knew God had me. And I knew in my heart, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I know other people feel that, right? That I know I meant for more, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I'm angry about my situation. And I look around at my circumstances and I think, well, I can't do anything anyway, right? My circumstances are this. And I lived in that victim mentality. I had an excuse of why I wasn't doing it. (laughs) And it was so hard because I would look at my girls and you want them to be everything that they ever dreamed. But here I was, I was just living this life of surviving, but not living. I was surviving on a day-to-day basis. And I just didn't know how to get past that. I didn't even know if I wanted to get past that because I was living that victim life and like, oh, poor Ashley. (laughs) So that was a struggle. That was really hard. And I put everyone before me and especially kids and my husband. And and one day though, I I sat down to do our bills. That was like part of my job because I stayed at home and I had negative $54 in our checking account. And it wasn't the first time we'd have a negative number. We were very much living paycheck to paycheck. We were just surviving, like I said. But for whatever reason, that number just hit me and I just started crying. And all I could do was hit my knees and pray. I said, God, I'm here. I know I've been gone, but I'm here now. What do I do? Because I can't live this way anymore. I don't want my kids to live this way anymore. What can I do? What is it that you want me to do? I don't want to get a full-time job because my husband is gone all the time, but I will. Like, if that's what needs to happen, I will. What is it that you want from me? And I felt like for the first time I could hear him audibly say, go all in. And I'm like, go all in. And I knew, I just knew in my heart of hearts, he was talking about the side business I had done. I was making glitter tumblers for friends and family. I'm very crafty. I can build anything. I can make anything. I've just always been that way. And I felt him say, go all in on that. And my first response was like, well, I don't want to do that. (laughs) Because in my mind, I was like, I know I'm meant for more, but you want me to make tumblers. Like, how was that meant for more, right? Like, I don't understand. And so I'm like, I don't want to be in production. I don't want to do that. But I felt like he was pretty persistent in, do you trust me? Because I have a plan. And so I said, fine, (laughs) I'll do it. So I started a Facebook page and I started putting these tumblers out into the world. I had this idea to go live and show people how I was making them and then sell them live. And my page grew quick. It was crazy, but I started to sell out. I mean, it was just like the craziest thing. People would say, how are you doing this? This is insane. I'm like, I don't even know. It's all God, right? Like (laughs) I would just go live. And I would sell out every single week. And so I was producing tumblers every day. Like I was like a manufacturing company. It was crazy. I would get up early. I would produce all day. I'd go to bed late, do it again the next day, sell them online, sell out every single time, make more. I mean, it was wild, but I was in production. And I felt that feeling again, like I meant for more, but I'm in my basement every day making these items. What am I missing? You know, something is still missing. What is it? And I was on a live one night, quite a few people on, 
And I was making a Tumblr. I was showing people kind of the background of how I make them. And and that was just always really fun for me. But um, I had someone pop on and they said, how did you get started in this? And I started to tell them how I've been crafting my whole life. I've been able to make these for years. I've just never put them out there. I've, I can make things. But instead, I felt a God prompting. That's what I call them now. My God promptings on my heart to share with them the negative $54 story. And so I'm live and I start crying and I break down and I share with them the negative $54 story. And then I get up, I go upstairs to my husband and I'm still crying. (laughs) He's like, are you okay? I'm like, I think I ruined everything. No one's going to take me seriously as a businesswoman. Like (laughs) they're going to be like, this lady's crazy. She's crying on live. She doesn't know how to handle money, you know? And I went to bed pretty upset and woke up the next day and my page had grown so much and the, the live had been shared out and everywhere and people were tagged in it. And I had messages from women saying, I feel that I feel broken. What do I do? Like, how'd you do this? And it was just like a light bulb moment of, I can teach them. I'll just show them the exact steps that I did and I'll teach them. And so some of those women joined my DIY club. I took some of those women who were in my DIY club and I had them go live on my page to see what would happen. And y'all, they all sold out. It was crazy. (laughs) Like, how is this a thing? How is this like real life right now? And so they all started going on my page and they all had great sales. And it kind of turned into this shopping network of glitter tumblers and then kind of morphed into boutiques and different things. And I ended up getting out of tumblers. I continued to share that negative $54 story. I started doing podcasts and, and all of the things. And I realized like that's was the plan the whole time. It, it was never about the tumblers. It, that was just my gateway. God needed me to use what I had. And that was my hands in a phone to go live. And once I started doing that and opening myself up, I realized I love sharing my story and I love speaking and I love pouring into people and making an impact. And I mean, that kind of leads us to where we are today, being a speaker and an MC and getting to travel and make an impact and create a ripple effect. But it all stemmed from glitter tumblers. What an interesting (laughs) place (laughs) to go from. But yeah, it was was an incredible journey that I'm still taking, obviously. I want to circle back to that negative $54 moment where you basically said, okay, you've got everything. Lord, I'm yours. And he said, what's in your hands in so many words? And you said, glitter tumblers. Okay, here's what we're going to use then. I think that's Mm -hmm. so incredibly instructive For anybody listening to this, every time that I have looked, at least in my life, Ashley, and maybe this resonates with you, I've looked over the other side of the fence to say, oh, the grass is greener over there. How can I get over there? The Holy Spirit always asks me, what's in your hands right now? That's the constant refrain from him when I'm trying to look for a better way to do whatever. And it sounds as if that's exactly what he did with you, right? Oh, 100%. Whenever I get to be on stages, one thing that, depending on what I'm teaching that day, but one thing I always mention is that I was told to use what I had, what was in front of me, and stop trying to find something else. Like you said, the grass greener on the other side. He wanted me to use what I had, and that turned into what it is today. And it doesn't make sense how it got there, but it does make faith. So, I mean, you could hear in my story, I didn't want to do that. I didn't. (laughs) 
because mm-hmm. it wasn't where my passion lied, but it's what I had. It was a God-given gift that I have grown up with, being able to use my hands in that way and create beautiful items. It's a talent that he gave me. And it took me kind of hitting that negative place to see it as a talent and to understand that it was God-given and that I am supposed to use it. Maybe not forever because I don't really make them anymore. I don't need to. I make them for fun. To start there, though, to use the gift that I was given from a young age and the talent that has been developed in me and to start with that and understand that he would take it to a different place that maybe doesn't make sense. But like I said, it makes faith. And I love that you said... And this flies in the face of everything that you read. Do what you're passionate about. Well, yeah, we'd all love to do what we're passionate about 100% of the time. But the reality is you didn't feel this overwhelming sense of passion about it, but he did tell you to use it. How do you speak to people in your orbit when they tell you, okay, here's what's in my hands, but I'm not passionate about that, Ashley? I mean, my goodness, you can look at my story and see what that did for me, though. God always has a plan. He does. And I get it. Like growing up, I've always wanted to be on a stage, but I would have never gotten to where I am today. I would not have gotten on stages had it not been for the tumblers. That wouldn't have been a thing. It brought me back into who I was meant to be, who I was born to be, because I had lost that girl. And so my suggestion is don't worry about your circumstances. Don't think too far into the future as in like worry about what you want to do and why you want to do it. But how you get there, that's God. And how I got to stages was tumblers. It started with something that I wasn't passionate about and turned into the biggest passionate thing I could ever imagine being on the stages. And God always has that plan. And so I tell people that a lot. Know your why and your what, but leave the how up to God. And that probably will consist of you doing what it is that he has naturally gifted you with first and it growing and morphing along the way and him showing you new steps to take and being able to just surrender how you get there, right? Start with what you have because it's a start. You're moving. And once you get up and you start moving, That is where the magic happens because that first step, (laughs) that's the hard part. Mm -hmm. That first step is the hardest step you're going to take is just to get up and move in some kind of direction towards something so then he can use it. I always tell people one of my favorite quotes is, God doesn't drive a parked car. You've got to get up and get moving, right? you got to start driving. So use what you have, get moving, and then allow him to take it in whatever direction he wants to take it. I love that. Let's dig into the transition from the tumblers and then this shopping network that you built and then how you got from there onto stages. How did that occur? Yeah. So when I built the shopping network, I no longer had to do tumblers. (laughs) I was able to make commission off of my ladies. I mean, I got to step back and I got to quit making the glitter tumblers and just coach them and get to share with them. And so we would have these all day lives and I would go live on Saturday and I would pray over the women and pray over everyone watching and kick it off. And then they would sell their little hearts out all day and share their story. And so it was really about more than just selling. I like to help women share their story live and kind of step into their light. And so I was a coach, right? I was essentially coaching them. I got the commission. So I was able to step back. And in doing so, I was able to book a lot of podcasts. And I started doing Clubhouse all the time and sharing my story on Clubhouse. 
And I did a few stages, but it was during COVID. So not a lot was open. It was a lot of virtual stages. But during COVID, I was praying one night and I'm like, God, I I love this. I want to do this all over the world. I want to make an impact. I want to create a ripple effect. How do I do it? How do I get on more stages? And I felt like he said, just make your own stage. And I was like, wait, I can do that? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what? But then my, I was like, well, I'm not Rachel Hollis. I loved her. Anyway, I was like, I'm not Rachel Hollis. And he was just, you know, I felt like he was like, I know you're Ashley. I was like, well, I've always followed my God promptings up until then. I've, I had written a couple books and stuff just out of God promptings. He always picks the worst timing, by the way. I love that about him. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's like, I know you're really busy with this huge shopping network. Come on. But let's write a book. Yep. <laughs> and then let's let's put on our own conference. You, you got it. I'm like, okay, great. But I've always just learned that how you handle your God promptings can make or break you. Say that again. How you handle your God promptings can make or break you. Man. That is like my life's motto. And so every time I've said yes, it's turned out well. I mean, who would have thought, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you just say yes to those God promptings, something somehow tends to work. Somebody probably listening is thinking, that's awesome, Ashley, that you follow your God promptings. But I have no clue what a God prompting is. How do I know if it's a God prompting? What do you say to somebody that may be thinking that? I love that question because I get people a lot like, how do you hear him? And I'm like, there's so many ways. He speaks through other people, but a lot of the times he speaks through a feeling, like this gut feeling that you have deep down in your soul, in your heart. There's this story. I love it. There's this woman and she's about to leave her house. But right when she's about to leave her house, she feels this gut feeling that she's supposed to grab fuzzy wool socks. And she's like, I don't know why I would grab this and put this in my purse, but let me grab these fuzzy wool socks. And she puts them in her purse and she heads out. And then sitting on the church steps is a prostitute with no shoes on crying and upset and wanting to find Jesus. And so she sits with her and she talks with her. And the lady says, my feet are so cold. I'd give anything right now for some fuzzy warm socks. (laughs) And the lady just pulls them out. And I'm like that, that feeling, right, that you have that is just undeniable. I don't know why I'm supposed to reach out to this person, but let me reach out to this person. And then you reach out to them And they're going through something, right? And you save them in that moment. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, you feel like I'm supposed to make a conference. And then that conference ends up changing lives. It's just like this feeling deep down. You just know you're supposed to do it. And sometimes you're like, what in the world? Like, why would I grab fuzzy warm socks? (laughs) But if you follow that, if you follow that, Things can change for you. And I get a lot of people, they say, what if it's my imagination? And I'm like, why do you think God doesn't speak through your imagination? That's him too. If it makes you feel good and it aligns with his word, you know it's him. And I I often say he's a whisper and he's a feeling. He's an imagination. He is in other people. He speaks in so many ways. And as long as it aligns, like I said, with with your morals and your values and the word, and you get that feel-good feeling like, yes, this is it, that's how I feel like I know it's him. Even if it's bizarre sometimes, like grabbing a pair of fuzzy wool socks. I remember a story my pastor shared. This was years ago. He would drive by the 7-Eleven, and for like three days in a row, the Lord kept telling him, pull into the parking lot. 
And he's like, I don't need anything here. Pull into the parking lot. And he did it three days in a row. The fourth day, he felt prompted again, and he didn't even hesitate. And there was somebody there that he wound up engaging in a conversation and having a dramatic impact in their lives. Wow. And it was like God was preparing the ground through simple obedience to move him into that next step of really speaking into the heart of somebody that needed to hear about him. And that's just one small example, similar to the fuzzy socks. So then the Lord told you to make your own platform. And you're like, okay, what happened next? Yeah. So after I, you know, talked myself into it, because I will tell you, like, when you get a God prompting, that's your first thought. You have that first thought from God, right? It's a prompting. Your second thought is always from the enemy telling you why you can't do it. So true. And so I had that in my ear and trying to follow the God prompting. But here I'm thinking, I'm just a small town girl that grew up with cornfields. Like, this is crazy. But I followed the God prompting. I called a few places in Denver. I live in Colorado Springs, and so Denver's just north, and it's bigger. And so I called some places in Denver, found an awesome hotel, and I was like, oh, I'm doing this. I set a date. (laughs) I found my speakers. I had, like, no idea what I was doing, but I've always liked planning events and, like, birthdays and weddings and things. And so uh, I used my hands again, and I made a lot of the stuff that we needed for the event. And so we had our first event in June of 2021. God just showed up. I mean, he came in there and just did things we didn't see coming. It turned into something so much more than I could have imagined. I kind of assumed I would have my girls that have kind of followed my journey, Mm -hmm. kind of been part of things. And then when we get there and there's way more people than expected and God is just moving during the event. Someone else came up to me and said, someone should do an altar call. And I was like, yeah, someone should. I'll ask Marcus. (laughs) And then that night I felt like God was like, it's, you're supposed to do it. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Like, I'm not a pastor. I don't know how to do this, you know? Mm -hmm. But I did. I got up on the stage and I did an altar call. I showed them the Bible that came from when my mom was sick. I shared that story. None of that was in the program. None of it. (laughs) And we did prayer circles, also not in the program. It was just like very God-led the whole time. And Mm. so... We had our next one that fall in Dallas, and then we had one in Oklahoma City, then we had Denver, and now we're doing our big one every year. Our big one's going to be in Denver, same time in June. And so this is our fourth really big one, and then fifth one overall. Since that event, I've gotten to speak on many stages all over the United States, and I've been blessed to get to MC events. <laughs> and so it's been such a crazy, crazy ride. But I I love it so much. And what I see for EYA whenever EYA is Embrace Your Ambition, that's the name of my event. When God showed it to me, it was always a traveling conference that did events and then served communities and somehow incorporated mission trips. And there's so much to it that we're not there yet, but I can't wait to see where God takes it. I know he's putting it on my heart to do mission trips with this. And I know we're supposed to serve in communities and take this thing all over the place because it's an event that combines when we do one day, it's a personal development event that combines with faith. Mm-hmm. When we do the three days, like we're doing in June, it combines business as well. And so we add another day and people can come to the business day if they want to, to learn business. Because what I have found is that when I let God take control of the business, when I allowed him to be the CEO, everything took off. Mm-hmm. And when I was trying to do things my way and myself and figure out everything on my own, 
it's usually when I was more at a standstill. And so I want the event to kind of have the business, the mindset, and the faith all in one. You can essentially choose if you want to come to all the days, but adding him in everything instead of separating things out, just really putting him at the center of all aspects of our lives. Over the five events that you've done, what's been the biggest recurring challenge in terms of the enemy lying to you? Yeah, honestly, finances is always it's been tough. I think I even go through moments of like, God, you see me, right? Because <laughs> I know you placed this on my heart. So why does it always kind of come down to how do we make this work in the end? And I think that because of how I've grown up, I didn't come from a rich family. You heard my story of negative 54. I think that the enemy knows that that's how he can hit me because it's always been something that has kind of been an issue right? A Mm -hmm. struggle in the past. And and so he knows he can always hit the finances. But I will say something, you know, he's always trying to do something. Right before we did the Dallas event, which we had Trent Shelton as a speaker. So it was a big deal. We had a ton of people coming. My youngest got really, really, really sick and could not get on the plane. Mm. And so her and her dad had to drive to Dallas. It was a mess. And then right before that too, it was really hard because I was supposed to be on a show down in Dallas called the Who You Know Show. And before I got on a plane, I had a breakdown thinking, how can I do this? Like, how can I be on a show? Like, I'm not a supermodel. I'm not smart enough. You know, and so the enemy knows what to hit me with. It's finances. It's my babies. And it's the past insecurities that I've gone through. And so it's funny. We did Oklahoma City. (laughs) And it was the easiest event. Okay. It was like... We were like, how is this happening? Finances worked. My kids were healthy. I go down to OKC to meet with Marcus. Everything is good. We have a great night. The next day is our one-day event. And I woke up and I was like, man, the enemy hasn't showed up. I'm a little nervous. Like, maybe he's not worried about this event. (laughs) (laughs) And then we go downstairs to go to the event and our car got broken into and all the windows were busted out. I was like, oh, there he is. <laughs> he's he's here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, Marcus came and got me and we put on a, a beautiful event while my husband went and got the car fixed. And when you say Marcus, you're referring to Marcus Black, your partner. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's my business partner with EYA. I did the first one. The first one was me. And throughout planning it, he was a keynote speaker and he would call me and say, how are things? What can I do? Did it, And we developed such a close friendship. And one day I just shared with him the vision of all of it. And I said, you know, I feel on my heart, like maybe you can do this with me. And he just was instantly like, yes, wow. like I have the same vision. This is it. This is what I've been waiting for. Let's go. And we locked arms and have now put on I will say some of the best events. I love going to events and I think every event has the potential to really make an impact on everyone. You know, it's how you go in and and how you're going to make connections. It's so special. We've baptized three people. We've had multiple people come up during the altar call, you know, and accept Jesus then as well. And so we're excited. We always say it's not our conference, it's God's and we're chosen vessels and wherever he wants to take it, like we're in, we've just completely surrendered it. I love it. As you've worked through the lies about finances, the challenges of that growing up, and then facing that at these various conferences, etc., what have you found as you've gone through that process to be the best way to overcome those feelings 
those thoughts when you encounter them? Yeah, well, first, I think that anytime there's a test before me, God's trying to teach me something. So something, maybe I didn't learn it the first time, you know? And so I do think God will keep placing tests in front of us until we get it, until we learn, until we were like, oh, okay. (laughs) And so even with this one right now, I'm really truly, because I say I surrender, right? I, I can say I surrender, I surrender. But when I look at past events, I've still been the one that figures out how to make sure the finances are there, right? And so I just have completely said, you know what? Show me what to do. Let's go from there. And instead of me trying to figure out everything and just kind of allow myself to breathe a little bit and and to trust, because we say we have trust, but do we? It makes me think of the Israelites and how often God showed him what he could do, and then they would still revert back. And yeah. so I'm like, okay, I'm going with this. I am fully committed to just having faith that he's got it. He has his hand on it. That I know for sure. I've watched people over and over and over again walk away with breakthroughs, walk away being baptized, walk away with a new sense of who they are. So it's all his. There's a book by Leif Hetland called Healing the Orphan Spirit. And he talks about three chairs. Have you heard of this, Ashley? I haven't, no. It's such a powerful analogy. Chair number three is the world. You're not saved. You're sitting in that chair. You're clueless about the things of God. Chair number two is you're saved, but your identity is connected to what you do. Mm -hmm. It's an orphan spirit. Chair number one is connected to who you are as a child of God. And he made the point that 90 plus percent of believers are living in chair two, where they do in order to be. And chair one is where you're not feeling the pressure of performance, where you truly are receiving what God has for you. And honestly, I've lived most of my life in chair number two, but the moments that I've shifted to chair one, it's obvious, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm just sharing this because it's just kind of the reality of where we are. Most of us live in chair two. So, Lord, help us. Help us align with who you've called us to be as sons and daughters of God so that we don't feel this pressure to perform all the time. Yes, that's so good. I mean, same. I live most of my life in chair two. And like I said, I can look back at the past conferences and see where I tried to take over. Yeah. Because it. I still live in that chair, too. You're not alone. As we finish here, is there one thing that you constantly find yourself speaking to when people ask you about your experience with the Lord? Does one thing tend to bubble up over and over? Yeah, I think anytime anyone asks me, how did I do it? How did I get here? I'm always like, obedience. Mm. That That's it. It's saying yes when you're scared. It's saying yes when you don't know the how. It's saying yes to that God prompting when it makes zero sense to you. It's just really being obedient in the fact that he's calling on you for a reason because only you can do what he wants you to do the way you can do it. And and so I think I struggled a lot with, it can't be me, right? It can't. I'm just little Ashley and I'm just this. I'm just a mom. I'm just a wife. He's calling you for a reason. You are the one for the job. And so when you feel that calling, that God prompting, you've got to say yes. I tell people, I feel a responsibility to say yes, because I believe that someone's watching me. 
that needs to say yes to what God's calling them to do. I have a responsibility to do so so that I can create that ripple effect Yeah. so that my girls can look at me and say, I'm going to say yes, too. I'm going to go for it, too. I tell people it takes five seconds of courage. When you feel that God prompting, take five seconds of courage and say yes. That's amazing. I love that statement. How can people find out more about you, Ashley? Ashleyfay.com is my speaking site. I got to put this out there because I I have been in love with emceeing lately. So, you know, anybody that needs an MC for an event, I am your girl. But also, I love speaking too. I love just making an impact more than anything. And so, Ashleyfay.com has a lot of that information on all platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. I'm at Ashley Fay Inspires. And then my event that we do every June and soon, hopefully to be a traveling event, because that's what God has placed on my heart with the mission trips and serving is Embrace Your Ambition. And that's eyambition.com. As we finish, would love to have you pray for our listeners, please. Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for this time to share with people. Thank you for allowing me to hear you today. Thank you for using us, using our voices with your words, Lord. And I just ask that this touches somebody, that someone out there listening realizes they're not broken, they're just stuck, and that you see them and that you have your hand on them. And I pray that you give them courage to ask you what it is that you need them to do. And when you tell them, I pray they say yes. I pray that they're not worried about whether or not the God prompting makes sense, but they just care that it makes faith. We know, Lord, that you are no respecter of humans. You're a respecter of faith. And I want people to use faith, Lord, and and to have you bless them. So I'm just asking, Lord, that you bless them, that their hands are open, they're ready to receive, and that you share with them what it is that you want them to do. Speak into their hearts today, Lord. And again, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this platform. Thank you for allowing me to speak to others. It's in your son's precious name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ashley. So enjoyed your story. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.